your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Wednesday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, October 20th, 2021. Your boy Q here, very excited about today's episode. Very excited to start to turn the page, closing the door on the Denver Broncos victory that the Raiders had on uh, on Sunday, 34-24, and starting to look forward to Week 7, Philadelphia Eagles headed to Allegiant Stadium. This is a big game coming up this Sunday. Can the Raiders close out uh, the first half of their season? And not, not technically really the first half, but they're heading into the bye week. So they can head into the bye week in there at five and two, or they can run into the bye week at four and three. It's a lot better to go in at five and two and keep that pressure on the AFC West, the other teams in the AFC West, and start to heal and start to get better and realize that you have a game against the Giants that aren't the best team in the league going up against them uh, in uh, week nine in New York. So uh, there's a lot of good things that could happen for the Raiders if they handle their business this week against the Philadelphia Eagles, which will not be an easy task. It's going to be a tough game. Every game in the NFL is, but the Raiders have a big opportunity to make some noise coming up this week against the Philadelphia Eagles at home at Allegiant Stadium. So uh, we're turning that page as of right now. Coming up on today's show, matter of fact, before I get into today's show and really tell you what's coming up, I do want to say thank you for making Locked On Raiders podcast your first listen each and every day. And remember, you can find the Locked On Raiders podcast free and available on all platforms that you find your favorite podcast. And of course, I do want to shout out to McDonald's. This episode of the Locked On Raiders podcast is being brought to you by McDonald's. They've been proudly serving communities since 1965. They've always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's also an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Now, coming up on today's show, segment number three, your calls and texts straight off that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. That is the number. Got a lot of calls and texts. I'm going to try to get to as many as possible coming up in segment number three. Segment number two, I don't like to live in the world of what ifs and maybe and how about this and can you imagine that? I don't really like to live in that world. I like to live in the present world, but... A conversation I was having on Raider Nation Radio 920 on Tuesday from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ. I don't even know how the conversation came up, but somehow Deflategate came up. And I thought, what if this Gruden email situation and the way that it was rolled out by the NFL, and even though it didn't happen before the season, it happened in season, what if this is the Raiders Deflategate? What if at the end of the season, and again, I hate to be the what if guy, you know what I mean? Because the season could go south quick, fast, and hurry. But what if at the end of the season... The Raiders are standing there and Mark Davis is standing there at the podium and Roger Goodell has to hand him that Lombardi trophy. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to happen. I'm not trying to gas you up and say that that's going to happen. But that's what happened with the Flategate. Remember, Tom Brady got suspended for the first four games of the season and they all they did is go on to win the Super Bowl. I'm just saying. Now, I'm not saying the Raiders are going to do that. But somehow that conversation popped up on Tuesday and... Man, it just, started, it, it just got my head wandering and made me start thinking. So I want to talk about it in segment number two of today's show. Uh, it should be a fun conversation. I'll tell you uh, why. I think the Raiders are a team that can do it. Again, not saying that they're going to do it, but why there's a chance that they could get that done. Here in segment number one, as I do on the daily, I like to give you the news and the notes of the day. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. So off top, I want to talk to you about some roster moves that the Raiders made on Tuesday, and these are unofficial as of right now. And, and what I mean by that is the Raiders have not made corresponding moves to make the 
50s official. But these are the moves that are in the works and already uh, floating around on Twitter that they have been made. So let's go ahead and, and run through them real quick. The Raiders have signed defensive back Desmond Trufant. He's been in the league since 2013, played with the Falcons from 2013 to 19, played six games with the Lions and two games so far with the Saints in 2021. Uh, he was also with the Bears in the offseason. So the Raiders are the third team in 2021. He's got 14 career interceptions, 345 tackles, 84 passes defense, and the majority of that came with the Falcons again between 2013 and 2019. Uh, he's only had one interception since he left Atlanta, and that was with the Lions in 2020. So a lot of folks ask me, well, what do you think about that? I think it's a good guy to have on the roster, especially with all the injuries that the Raiders have in the secondary. Uh, he can't do nothing but help. I mean, he's not going to be a world beater. He's not the Desmond Trufant he was when he was with the Falcons, but he's a guy that's been running this cover three scheme because he was playing for Dan Quinn when he was in Atlanta. So at least he's somewhat familiar with what Gus Bradley, Ron Miles, and Richard Smith and company want to get done on that Raiders defense. So again, he's not going to be the first line of defense, but he is a guy that in a pinch they can throw in there and feel pretty confident that he knows what to do. He's a veteran who's been there and done that. Also, as far as signings go in the Raiders, uh, it's been reported that the Raiders have signed offensive guard DJ Fluker. Uh, he's also been in the league since 2013. He came out of Alabama, played with the Chargers, the Giants, the Seahawks, and most recently in 2020, the Baltimore Ravens. Now, uh, he played 16 games with the Baltimore Ravens, so you're probably wondering, wait wait a minute, hold on. Why is he still out there and available? Well, he was suspended for the first six games of the 2021 season, and this was all after he had signed a one-year deal with the Dolphins in the offseason, thinking that he was going to be a veteran presence on that offensive line, but then he was placed on IR before the preseason was over, so that meant that he couldn't play at all in 2021, but then the team released him with an injury settlement, which means that he could sign anywhere uh, and play for any team this year. But again, he was suspended for the first six weeks. So now he's available. He's free. And according to reports, multiple reports, he has been signed by the Raiders. And to me, if this is in fact true, which I do believe it is, that probably lets me know a little bit more that Richie Incognito is not coming back anytime soon. I know a lot of folks are expecting him back after the bye week. I'm still, I'll believe it when I see it. And who knows? I mean, obviously the Raiders offensive line is not uh, where it needs to be right now. It did get better last week against Denver. But if uh, if this is true that they signed Fluker like it looks like it is true, then I'm sure that that means that Richie Incognito is probably not coming back anytime soon. And honestly, it's probably better that Fluker is there, especially if he's healthy and ready to go. He probably could do more than Incognito at this point anyway. But we'll see. I like the signing. Uh, even if it's just depth, I think it's a good signing. DJ Fluker is a veteran, been there, done that. And I think he'll be able to provide something for the silver and black. So that looks to be a signing that is uh, going to be official sooner rather than later. With that being said, the Texans have signed center Jimmy Morrissey off the Raiders practice squad. And if you remember, Jimmy Morrissey was a Raiders seventh round pick out of Pitt. He was a guy that I was very high on. I talked to my guy, Christopher Carter, uh, host of Locked On Steelers. He covers Pitt. Uh, for his uh, his other job that he does, a little newspaper job that he does. He writes for him, and he was telling me all these good things about Jimmy Morrissey, how he was one of the captains there at Pitt. He walked on at Pitt, and a seventh-round guy uh, with the Raiders, he looked like a guy that had an opportunity to make some noise and possibly get on the field probably next year. I didn't think he was really going to play a role this year, but looked like a guy that could be uh, a potential maybe center of the future for the Raiders. But as of right now, the Texans have signed him uh, off the Raiders practice squad and that was according to John McClain from the Houston Chronicle he tweeted that out so of course I'll talk to him since I do talk to him every single Thursday on Raider Nation Radio 920 at either 2 30 or 3 o'clock Pacific Standard Time I'll talk to him about this move and of course a lot more across the NFL but uh, interesting little signing right there by the Houston Texans taking Jimmy Morrissey off the Raiders practice squad 
On Tuesday's show, I bragged a little bit about Max Crosby and everything he's been doing so far his third year in the league. And I'll tell you, I'm going to take that a step further, man. There's some more numbers that have been put out about what Mad Max Crosby's been able to do so far in the league in 2021. Here is his official stats and where they rank across the league. Uh, he's got five sacks on the season. That ranks number one with the team. It's not number one in the league, but he's uh, number one with the team. He's got 11 quarterback hits as first in the NFL. 25 hurries as first in the NFL. 43 total pressures. That's first in the NFL. 91.7% uh, PFF pass rush grade. That's first in the NFL. And 27.6% pass rush win rate. Yeah, you guessed it. That's first in the NFL. He's just about first in every category. Now, of course, sacks, the actual number, he's not number one in, but number one with the team. So just a, a, another stat or another few stats to let you know how much Max Crosby has been eating so far in 2021. Uh, I mentioned it multiple times that, yes, he's got the stats. He's got all those big numbers. But do not take anything away from Unique Ngakwe because he's putting in his work and he's helping out in a major way. He's helping out make everyone along that defensive line that much better. And my final little nugget I have for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast, news and notes of the day, I want to give you Pro Football Focus's top-rated rookies. And uh, I'll give you number one through six. And I won't go through all the descriptions of every one of them, but I'll give you the players. Number one is center Creed Humphrey for the Kansas City Chiefs. His Pro Football Focus grade overall is 85.2. Number two, linebacker Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa for the Cleveland Browns. Pro Football Focus overall grade is 81.1. Number three is quarterback Mac Jones from the New England Patriots. Pro football focus overall grade, 79.7. Number four, wide receiver Jamar Chase for the Bengals. Pro football focus grade, 78.4 overall. Number five, wide receiver Rondell Moore from the Cardinals. Pro football focus overall grade is 77.9. And coming in at number six, reason why I was doing this, is cornerback Nate Hobbs. Fifth round pick out of Illinois for the Raiders. Pro football focus overall grade, 77. Point eight in their description on Hobbs. Hobbs already looks like one of the best slot cornerbacks in the league. He's done a terrific job of limiting yards after the catch for Gus Bradley's defense. His 25 targets have resulted in only 10 first downs so far. More importantly, he's yet to allow a score. He looks like another win for Mike Mayock in day three. And really, that description is why I wanted to bring that to the table. Because this dude, not only does he allow few catches, but when they do catch the ball, he's able to get them down immediately. I think his open field tackling is amazing. He does a great job not allowing yak yards, which is big, and he hasn't allowed a score yet. So I know he had a couple mistakes that he made on Sunday against Denver, but he, he makes those mistakes, he learns from those mistakes, and you don't see him do it again. Nate Hobbs, I think, is a special player. We've talked about him quite a lot, but being the number six graded rookie across the whole league is a big deal. And remember, he was a fifth-round pick out of Illinois. So shout-out to Nate Hobbs from the Raiders, 77.8 pro football focus overall grade. So that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number two, going to talk about the Gruden email situation and really not really focus on that, but just focus on the fact of, could that be the Raiders' deflate gate? We'll talk about that coming up in segment number two. Before we get to that, though, I do want to tell you about an app that, well, if you drive, you need to have it. If you buy gas, you need to have it. It's called Get Upside. All listeners of the Lockdown Raiders podcast are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free. And use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to $0.50 cent a gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making a lot. 
as much as two to three hundred dollars a month in cash back. And there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code Touchdown. That's code Touchdown. Make sure you do it. Do it today. It's GetUpside, the app. Get it today. Segment number two, it's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Don't like to live in the what-if world. I really don't because, well, it's just it's that world. It's what-if, and you can say that just about anything. But organically, a conversation came up on Raider Nation Radio 920 on Tuesday while I was at Raiders HQ, the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, and I just somehow brought up Deflategate, and I started bringing up the fact that it was so funny when Roger Goodell had to hand that Lombardi trophy ultimately to Robert Kraft and had to hand that MVP to quarterback Tom Brady after Tom Brady had been suspended four games to start the season, which I think was BS anyway. I mean, I'll just straight up tell you, I know nobody is a fan of the Patriots. Nobody really wants the Patriots to get what we like to call as a fair shake, but I thought Deflategate, I thought that was a joke. I mean, it absolutely was. I thought it was a waste of time, thought it was a waste of investigation, and definitely didn't believe that Tom Brady needed to be suspended for it. But Whatever. It is what it is. They went through the four-game suspension, and they ultimately hoisted up the trophy at the end of the season. So I started thinking and thought, man, as much as Mark Davis is upset at the NFL, he gave that statement to Paul Gutierrez, you know, uh, I don't have anything to say. Ask the NFL. They have all the answers. And, you know, the Raiders have that kind of chip-on-their-shoulder approach, and, you know, they're taking it as, hey, this was a hit job. And, look, I mean, I'm not going to lie. The timing of everything, especially after you find out that they had all these emails in July, so questions out there why did it take so long to release and why did they wait till the Raiders got into the season before they decided to uh, have John Gruden uh, basically be sent on his way be sent packing and look I'm not going to defend John Gruden what he said was terrible uh, what he wrote was terrible uh, he should have never done that and he ultimately is paying that price but just the timing of it is very odd and strange it just makes you scratch your head and wonder why so I just organically in this conversation with my man Damon said man what if this was you know the Raiders moment what if they go on a run. I mean, we saw the way that they played on Sunday against Denver. They played very inspired ball. They went out there with a purpose. They got off the bus with bad intentions. And when I say bad intentions, I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean, they went out there to prove a point. And they did. And they dominated the game 34-24. Now, I'll say this. There's a lot of football left. So anything could happen. We all know how this goes. The seasons go. You go up, up, up like a roller coaster. And it's great. You're on a high. Then all of a sudden, zoom, go right down like that roller coaster and hit that low. You know, and then you get that feeling in your stomach like, woo, the butterfly feel, right? Well, that's how NFL season goes a lot. And we've seen it with the Raiders. We've seen them at that high. And then we've seen them hit that low but never bounce back up as they've had late season collapses. But what if this was just the extra little oomph that they needed? What if Rich Basaccia is able to lead these guys into the playoffs, even if it's just a wild card spot. And I'm not saying it's going to be a wild card spot because, hell, right now they're tied for first place. They're tied for first place at 4-2 and two with a very winnable game on, on Sunday, and I'm not overlooking the Eagles. I'm just saying that the game is winnable. What if the Raiders are able to make moves? What if they're able to go on a nice run? They've had a tough part of their season already. They've already won four games in the AFC Conference. I mean, just what if the stars kind of align for them and they do this? What if Greg Olson is able to push the right buttons with a team that Chucky and Mike Mayock have put together 
And Greg Olson all of a sudden just really starts pushing the right buttons to get the most out of these guys. Just like you saw the plays on Sunday. It's a little bit different, a little bit of mix-up on the way that they were called. Uh, saw a little couple things that you hadn't seen before. Uh, it's like the screen calls, and you didn't really see uh, too much as far as play action before that game, and then you started to see play action. I mean, there's a lot of things to like from what you saw. But with that being said... Now other teams have uh, film on what Greg Olson's going to call and what he likes and, and what kind of play caller he is. So they're going to be more prepared for that than the Broncos were. But the team is good. I mentioned it in the offseason. I said this team feels different. They have a nice amount of young players, but they also have a nice amount of veterans that can really get the job done and really help lead these young guys like the Casey Haywards, like the Unique Ngakwes, like the Denzel Perrymans, like uh, KJ Wrights. You know, guy like, guys like that that have been there, done that. I don't know if Richie Incognito is ever going to come back, so I don't really put him in that mix, but there's leadership all over the field. You know, of course, you have Derek Carr, who's the ultimate leader with the Raiders uh, at that quarterback position. But there's so many things that you could look at and say, well, these guys, maybe they could get hot and they could make a run. And once you get into the dance, once you get into the playoffs, anything is possible. And the reason I say this, if you go back to the history of the NFL, there's been six wild card teams. And again, I'm not saying that the Raiders are going to be a wild card team. They've got to go out and earn it. But hell, they, they might be better than that. They might end up being a, a, a damn division winner for all we know. But just say they make the wild card. Just say that it just shakes out in their wild card team. Remember, the Raiders were the first team ever in NFL history to win a Super Bowl as a wild card team. They did that in 1980 when they beat the Eagles 27 to 10. They did that in 80. Then all of a sudden, the Broncos, they did it all the way back in what, 98? So it took all those years from 80 to 98 to see another team that was a wild card team win the Super Bowl. They, uh, the Broncos beat Green Bay 31-24. Then the Ravens, Ravens, then the Ravens did it in 2000, beating the Giants 34-7. And on the way to that Giants Super Bowl appearance where the Ravens had, they beat the Raiders at the Coliseum 16-3. That was when Tony Saragusa did this little uh, belly flop or whatever you want to call it uh, on Rich Gannon and just about broke Rich. I mean, that was awful, but uh, I was at that game. I remember it. I was sick to my stomach. I just knew that the Raiders were going to the Super Bowl and the, the Ravens got the best of them winning that game 16-3. But they were a wild card team. They beat the Giants 34-7 in the Super Bowl. In 2005, the Steelers did it, knocking off the Seahawks 21-10. to That was the game that the bus retired right afterwards. Remember, they played that one in Detroit, and there was a controversy on that game. You know, there were some plays that you thought Seattle really made, and they were called penalties and kind of felt like the officials were leaning towards Pittsburgh, especially with the bus retirement and playing there in Detroit. Uh, the Giants, they turned around and did it in 2007. They knocked off the Patriots 17-14. That was when the Patriots had that perfect season with Randy Moss, and it got broken up. The only game they lost was a game that mattered. The Super Bowl. And then the final team to do it, win a wild or be a wild card team and win the Super Bowl was the Packers in 2010 when they beat the Steelers 31 25. That was in Dallas when they had that huge ice slash snowstorm. Uh, and everyone thought, what in the world is going on? This doesn't happen in Dallas. Well, it happened in Dallas, but that was the last time a wild card team won the Super Bowl. So I'm saying all that to say that wouldn't it be some poetic justice? If the Raiders go through all this and have to deal with the adversity that they have right now and somehow they just get on a roll, they get hot and they start winning games. They win this game against the Eagles. They win the next time they play against the Giants and all of a sudden they're sitting there, it's six and two. And instead of having a late season collapse like they have the past couple seasons, they continue to get on a roll. They'll win or lose a game here or there. You know, I'm not expecting them to go 15 and two, 14 and three, but you know, why not go 13 and four? Why not go 12 and five and get that playoff berth? Once you get into the playoffs, especially with all the leadership that they have, anything is possible. And I swear to you, it would be the most poetic justice if at some point Roger Goodell had to look Mark Davis in the eye at the podium and hand him a Lombardi. 
Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? Remember back in the day when, when the commissioner had to hand Al Davis after Al and him went back and forth and beefed all those times? Can you imagine when that commissioner had to give Al the, the trophy and Al just looked and said, just win, baby, got that big look on his face? The commissioner didn't even want to give it to Al. Remember, he talked and he talked and he talked and he didn't even want to do it, and he finally did? Could you imagine if Goodell had to do that to Mark Davis? Wonder what Mark would say. And this is what got me going on this conversation. Again, I don't like to live in the what-if world at all. I like to live in the here and now, but man, it was so funny. I was talking about it in great detail. Like I, I, I mean, I started to get, you know, a little hot underneath the collar when I, when I was thinking about it. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that I was just getting a little excited about the situation, just even thinking about the possibilities and how that would go down if that were to happen. And the Raiders end up playing in L.A. And oh, by the way, go and win another Super Bowl in L.A. as the only team that's from L.A. to win a Super Bowl when they were the L.A. Raiders. I mean, just I, all these things just kind of went through my head. And again, I don't like to even daydream about stuff like this, but I did say, and I'll wrap it up with this. I I did say I told DeMond, I said, you know what, if that happened and I'm at the Super Bowl with a credential on, all professionalism would be off. <laughs> all professionalism would be out the door. You know, anyone who's listened to this show for a long time, I don't live in the we, the us, that world. I don't do that. You don't hear me say uh, we, the Raiders, us, the Raiders, none of that stuff. I'll tell you right now, if that scenario were to happen and the Raiders were to hoist the Lombardi trophy after this season and I was there with a credential around my neck, I might just have to fan out. I might just have to fan out and act like a fool. <laughs> and I don't mean that disrespectfully for no fans. I'm just saying I try to maintain the most professionalism as possible, but I might just have to go back to being that little kid running around the streets and running around the Coliseum trying to see the, uh, see the Raiders play. Going around the Coliseum, all those uh, tailgate parties and hanging out, uh, wearing my Raider jerseys, you know, having some beers and drinks before the game and just partying. I might just have to, like I said, throw all professionalism right out the door. You might have to go let me be off work for like a week. I might not be able to do the podcast. I might not be able to do the radio show because there will be no professionalism whatsoever. And again, hate to live in the what if world, but isn't that fun to just think about for a quick minute if that were to happen after everything that's happened to the Silver and Black so far this year, getting off to a hot start, then all of a sudden losing your coach, he has to resign, you know, a few weeks into the season. I mean, it's just like, what in the world is going on? And then if they were to kind of return it around, have that poetic justice and go and and win the whole damn thing, win their fourth Lombardi in team history, it just, it's incredible. Again, I don't, I don't want to think about it too much because it'll keep me up at night. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. I want to get some sleep. So I'm not going to talk about it anymore, but just thought it was a fun little conversation that, like I said, it started on Raider Nation Radio 920 on Tuesday when I was at the facility. And so I just thought it was right if I brought it to the table. So there you go. That's how I kind of close the door on week six on the Denver Broncos victory and start to look ahead to the Philadelphia Eagles coming up week seven as the Raiders start their journey. They really do. Can they get back-to-back -back wins? Can they go into the bye week, send there at five and two? Well, on tomorrow's show, we'll have the crossover edition, so we'll start talking all things Raiders and Philadelphia Eagles, get into the keys of the game on Friday, and we'll see what happens on Sunday. But uh, that's all I got for you for segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and text straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693 is the number. Before I get to that, though, I want to tell you about a couple great sponsors, including McDonald's. This episode of Locked On Raiders podcast, you know, is being brought to you by McDonald's. They've been proudly serving communities since 19. 65. They've always been more than just a place to get great food, though. They've been a place where friends and family can go to reconnect. And I'll
I'll tell you this. As a kid growing up, I told you the other day how my dad used to go and buy me breakfast, buy those Egg McMuffins, and throw a slap of uh, Swiss cheese on there, even though there ain't no Swiss cheese in the whole building. He would just bring it out of his own little collection and throw it on there. I talked about that. But also, as I got a little bit older and I used to go hang out and we'd go hang out on Friday nights, who didn't go to McDonald's that was always located near the movies trying to pick up on girls? Tell me you didn't do that. Tell me you didn't tell me you didn't walk the lobby of McDonald's thinking you were gonna gonna holler at some girls when really the only thing to holler at was a happy meal with some fries. <laughs> you know what I mean? There you weren't hollering at nobody at no McDonald's. That's where my boy Daniel, Daniel Zamora, as a matter of fact, I think he's gonna be in town this weekend. He used to work at McDonald's. He used to hook us up in a major way. I'd buy one cheeseburger and my man would just load up the bag. We'd get cheeseburgers, fries, nuggets. We'd get hooked up with everything. Hopefully there's no statue of limitations on that and he don't get, you know, called out on it. That was years ago. Either way, man, it was always a fun place to go hang out at and just chill and have some food on a Friday night and hang out. Well, you can still do that. Now, I'm not saying you're going to go get hooked up with no no free food, but little leagues, they always kind of gather there. Uh, people stop at McDonald's after big sporting events. They have free Wi-Fi there so you can go get some work done. Birthday parties are at McDonald's. They have all kind of stuff going on at McDonald's, and you can you can do the same. You can make your own stories at McDonald's. Head to your local McDonald's right now. Refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say Locked On Raiders podcast watch party at McDonald's? Let's go! <laughs> I'm loving it, right? No doubt about it. I am loving it. Shout out to McDonald's. Also, I want to tell you about Built Bar. And I've been telling you about Built Bar for a very long time. Been telling you about the limited time flavors and the one that popped up on Tuesday. Incredible to me. Blueberry muffin. Who hasn't had a blueberry muffin at some point in their life? Who hasn't had a blueberry muffin Built Bar? Probably you. You need to get one while supplies last. That's what it says right there on the website. 100% real chocolate, 100% real delicious and a brand new flavor, and they have those new flavors all the time. Blueberry muffins, 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, 6 grams of sugar. Again, blueberry muffin, it looks fantastic. Those Built Bars are available. Rocky Road, they're available. Strawberry Built Puffs are available. Cherry Lime is available. Peanut Butter Brownie, Coconut, and more. Check them out today, BuiltBar.com. Make sure you use the promo code LOCK15 when you do. You'll save 15% off your order just like that. Get a great taste of protein bar. You won't feel bad having a late night snack, watching baseball, basketball, even hockey that's going on right now. Just get it today. BuiltBar.com. Again, promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your order when you check out. Segment number three, it's up next. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. That is the number. Up first, we got my guy Jordan in Oregon. He's calling to talk about the Raiders' win and what happened when Al Davis traded Gruden to Tampa Bay. What happened to the team and how they took off? Here he is, Jordan from Oregon. Hey, what's going on, Q? Jordan in Oregon. I wanted to call in and, and just... uh Kind of loving what we're seeing, man, with that last game. I wanted to chime in on a few points I, I wanted to make. Uh, first off, great game. Uh, way to, you know, punch adversity in the mouth. But the, really the main thing I wanted to point out is, and I, I'm kind of piggybacking on something I read uh, over the last 24 hours, but, you know, the Raiders in 2002 had something kind of eerily similar happen with when, you know, Al let Gruden go. Uh, that 2002 season, Rich Gannon kind of took that offense to, you know, they, they were a great offense with Gruden, but he took it to like a new level. It, it was an offense that, you know, w- was more aggressive and um, and a little bit more balanced and less predictable. And it took a couple people bringing that up to me to actually kind of go back and, and research and look at stats and, 
remind myself of some of those old O2 Raider games. And, I mean, even, even that playoff run that year, they just – Rich Gannon, Tim Brown, Jerry Rice, the, the guys, uh, they, like, hit their their ultimate height of, of that entire Gruden first stretch and that first offense under Bill Callahan. And I just kind of wonder, Q, do you think that by Greg Olson coming in, we could have something similar happen in the aspect of them simplifying the offense could make it to where, yeah, we have a lot of the same play calls, but we're not trying to shove so much at these guys. Because the reason I mention that is after the post game, um, I listened to like the pressers, and I, I have heard a couple different people chime in now about how the goal this week was, yeah, we're going to run the same offense, but we're just going to simplify things. I've heard that word simplify a few times now. And I thought to myself, you know, maybe that it's not that this offense I mean, obviously, it was a great offense with Gruden. But, you know, maybe it has a chance to be something special without him. Because I, I almost feel like, as much as a mastermind he is, there's some people would say he is with offense. It's ar- arguable. But uh, he gets in his own way. He gets in his own way. And, and, and sometimes it's just having a different outlook and having, you know, Greg Olson in the background to watch all this and then now have his chance to step in and go, you know, this is right where I would have, would have, uh, you know, obviously called from the same playbook, but just something a little different. And sometimes it's as simple as, like you say, Q, uh, you know, one play they call in the first quarter, they could be trying to set up a look for the third quarter. Sometimes it's just a little nuance like that, that just somebody sees something a little different. And so I, I, I kind of wonder if, you know, Gruden might be, you know, a great uh, offensive schemer and have, Hundreds of great plays, but maybe just having a fresh mindset in there will be awesome. But peace talk to you. Thanks, man. There he goes, Jordan, Oregon. And you bring up a good point, man. The Raiders led by Bill Callahan. As much as I didn't like him as a head coach, the team get, did get to the next level, and they made it to the Super Bowl. Now, we all know that they lost, but they got there. They took that next step. Is that possible this time around? Maybe. I mean, you never know. You saw what I talked about in segment number two, so I guess anything's possible. We'll see. It's one step at a time, obviously, and it starts this Sunday with the win over the Eagles, a very tough team, in my opinion. Even though their record says 2-4, and four, I still think they're a tough team. So thank you so much for that call, Jordan. I do appreciate you. Next up is a text from Weston in Salt Lake. Says, what's up, Q? This is Weston from Salt Lake, still fired up about Sunday's victory in Denver. Rewatching the game Monday, there was only one play I wanted to highlight as it has me fired up for the future. The play was actually a missed assignment by rookie Nate Hobbs that allowed the Cortland Sutton touchdown early in the fourth quarter. Kind of weird to be excited about a blown assignment, but what I saw was this. Hobbs blew his assignment. Denzel Perriman gets there late to clean up his mess, and Casey Hayward was in his ear immediately. I think Hobbs is a stud and is going to be a huge plus for the Raiders' defense for hopefully a long time to come, and those kind of growing pains are expected. But I just love to see Gus Bradley's guys, who know the system and have executed it so well this year, on the young dude's butt, demanding better for him. That is going to pay huge dividends for him and for the Raiders' defense going forward. I hope whoever gets that next head coaching job sees the value in what Gus Bradley and his vets have put together for this team. Again, that's from Weston and Salt Lake. And, yeah, I remember I remember a couple plays that Nate Hobbs didn't do that great on Sunday, and I remember seeing uh, veterans like Denzel Perriman go and get in his ear. And the thing about it I love about Nate Hobbs is the fact that he doesn't get upset when you get on him, when you, you know, tell him that he's doing something wrong. He takes that, he learns from it, and he improves. And he doesn't usually make the same mistake twice. So that's what I really like 
from Nate Hobbs. So thank you so much for that. And uh, he's, uh, like I mentioned before, pro football focus, number six overall grade as far as rookies in the entire NFL goes. So, yeah, he's having a really good season. Thank you so much for that text. I appreciate you. Next up is a call from Raider Beck in Concord, California. He's calling to talk about the game, wanted to point out a couple things that he thought was pretty important. Here he is, Raider Beck, calling out of Concord. Hey, Q, it's Raider Beck here in uh, Concord, California. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, yeah, just a couple things that I noticed from the game that I want to chat with you about. Uh, first of all, I thought the Raiders played really loose. Uh, they just looked comfortable, having fun. Um, the other thing I noticed is I saw Quee Farrell in there. I saw Kenyon Drake. We obviously saw the two touchdowns. But it, do you think that these players are getting a clean slate now, now that Gruden is gone? Because I saw Quee Farrell make a couple uh, run stops that I thought were pretty good. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And lastly, I think Henry Ruggs is a playmaker. I mean, there's a reason why they drafted him. We were definitely uh, not really high on him last year, but this year I, we need to get the ball to this guy. I mean, he can make the catches, good hands, deep routes, fast. We all know that. But uh, it seems like every time we're throwing the ball to him, something's happening. So, uh, yeah, that draft pick is starting to look a lot better now. Uh, but anyways, thanks so much for all you do. Talk to you. There he goes. That's Raider Beck calling out of Concord, California. Shout out to Concord, California, man. I used to go to school in Concord, Tabernacle Baptist School when I was a little kid. Little kid. Like, I went there kindergarten through what? Fourth grade, fifth grade, maybe. Maybe fifth grade. But anyway, went there. Used to ride over Kirker Pass all the time from Pittsburgh into Concord. So, shout out to Concord, California. Now, to your call. Uh, two good guys to point out, in my opinion. Clee Furl and Drake. Drake, as you mentioned, had the two touchdowns. So, of course, that's going to get a lot of attention. Getting him involved was a good thing. Something we as fans haven't seen much of leading up to Sunday. But Clee, in my opinion, he was a guy that didn't get enough attention. Clee is a guy that I thought did a really good job when he was asked to, to step in and, and play a role and really slow down the run. That was a big deal to me. I think Clee Furl, there is a role for him. I thought there was a role for him before the season, but you saw he got very minimal burn so far this year. And, you know, there's one thing. I'm not trying to slander the guy, but there's one thing that's been said about John Gruden multiple times. He likes guys, and then he falls out of love with guys immediately. Like, all of a sudden, you're one of his favorites. Then all of a sudden, he, he just loses touch with you immediately. And maybe that happened to Drake. Maybe that happened to Clee. Maybe that happened to both. Who knows? But uh, right now, you saw them both being used uh, pretty effectively on Sunday. So I thought that was big. You mentioned Henry Ruggs. Check this out. In 2020, Ruggs' rookie year, he played 13 games, had 26 catches, 452 yards, and two touchdowns. He was averaging 17.4 yards per catch. So far in 2021, through six games, He's got 20 catches, 445 yards. He's averaging, oh, two touchdowns, sorry, 22.3 yards per catch is what he's doing. So uh, he's on pace. I hate to be on pace guy, just like I hate to be what if guy, but he's on pace. Just say he doubles what he's doing right now. Play 12 games, have 40 catches, and almost 900 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, that's if he just doubles what he's doing. I think that he's in for a pretty big season. I really do. You're through six games, and he has 20 catches. In 2020, he only had 26 catches. He's only seven yards shy of what he had all of 2021. So, yeah, Henry Ruggs has really improved himself in a major way, and that was having to do with work he did in the offseason to improve his body, improve his route running, and be on the same page with quarterback Derek Carr. Just got time for a couple more. I got a text from Robert, a.k.a. Dallas Raider underscore 87. Yo, Q. 
Robert here, a.k.a. Dallas Raider underscore 87. Just sitting here going over some news and notes of the NFL for my fantasy and caught something interesting. Seeing that Tampa Bay just released their guard, John Mulkin. Just wanted to get your thoughts on the Raiders picking up a vet like him to add to the O-line. He's got a Super Bowl under his belt and has good resume of protecting the Tom Tuck rule Brady. We could use a guy like that, in my opinion. Let us know what you think. Raider Nation for life. Hashtag Raiders. That's from Robert, a.k.a. Dallas Raider underscore 87. And that probably would have been a good idea, but uh, as of multiple reports, DJ Fluker is now a member of the Silver and Black. The Raiders have signed him after working him out on Tuesday, so I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that addition right there. I think DJ Fluker will help out. If nothing else, just provide some extra depth because you know that the offensive line is a little shaky. So uh, I think that that really is that veteran presence that you're talking about. Fluker's been around the league for a while. He's got them Alabama traits. So, uh, yeah, I think that he'll be just fine with the silver and black probably healthy and he really hasn't done anything all season long because he was suspended for the first six games so thank you so much for that text i do appreciate you up next got a call from my guy california dave in west tennessee he's calling to talk about a difference a week makes talking about darren waller's media session following gruden's resignation and then talks about the team last week and this week as well here he is california dave in west tennessee q nation california dave calling out of west tennessee y'all Ooh, what a difference a week makes uh First things first, man, the opportunity to find grace. That little sentence right there, I mean, <laughs> it changed my whole outlook, man. Thanks for playing it, Q. I went and looked it up on YouTube and watched the whole thing. Uh, y'all, I think this was the team that Q and Vinny B and everybody was talking about during, you know, the preseason and mini camps, like, that defense was flying around. It was exciting to see. Um, I guess looking forward, this is a game we're, air quotes, supposed to win, so I want to see how they handle this in front of them. And my hopes are that we don't even have a conversation about looking for a new head coach because what I saw, we already got them, and this – you know, don't fix it if it ain't broke. All right, Nation, peace out. There he goes. That's California Dave in West Tennessee. Thank you so much for that call, and I'll skip right to the chase, my man. I'm assuming that the Raiders will go look for a new head coach after the season, but honestly, you never know. If they go on a run like I talked about in segment number two, why would you go look for a new head coach, right? And there's been guys throughout the course of the history of the NFL that have come from special teams, come from linebacker coaches, come from O-line coaches to become NFL head coaches. John Harbaugh, he's the latest one. Well, actually, he's the latest, most successful one. Joe Judge in New York was a special teams coach in New England, but John Harbaugh was a special teams coach before he landed the head coaching job in Baltimore. Cable was an O-line coach before he was a head coach with the Raiders. John Madden was a linebacker coach before he was hired as a head coach. I mean, hell, Bill Belichick was a special teams coach and a defensive assistant with the Giants, but before coming the defensive coordinator in New York, and then he would turn into the head coach in Cleveland. I mean, there's multiple stories. Mike Dicka, you can go back a little bit farther, special teams coach with the Cowboys. Dick Vermeil, special teams with the Rams back in 69. I mean, that's taking it all the way back. Uh, again, it doesn't happen all the time, but it could. You know, and I'm just assuming because he's got the interim title, you just kind of never think that an interim head coach is going to eventually get that head coaching job. But 
it's possible. And if they go on that run that I mentioned in segment number two, again, don't want to be the what if guy. I know that it's, you know, a lot of speculation, and all that good stuff. But I mean, if they were to go on a run like that, then of course, why would you want to go have a, another head coach, right? You keep him in place, keep everything as it is and try to run it back and see what you could do. But uh, that's again, that's that's a long way away conversation. Uh, there's a lot of time between now and the end of the season. And you'll know in a few games, you'll know what the temperature is of the Raiders. You'll know if they're able to sustain what they did on Sunday against the Broncos or if that was just one of those one-off type situations. As a matter of fact, that was part of my conversation I had on Raider Nation Radio 920 on a Tuesday. You know, is that sustainable, what you saw against the Broncos? Is that sustainable or was that just an emotional rallying cry for the Raiders that they just had to get behind their coach and behind those players and go out there and kick someone in the mouth like they did the Broncos? So we'll see. Again, we'll see starting on Sunday against the Eagles. And uh, my final text from today's show is going to come from Raider Braun in the South Bay. He says, Raider Braun from the South Bay here. I absolutely love the Fluker signing. I think he's a better option than both Parker and Leatherwood where he plays right guard or right tackle for us. Not a fan of washed up Trufant. And please, Lord, tell me that we're not signing Hayden. And I'd for sure much rather let Faison take over cornerback two until Mullen's okay. Hopefully we can keep this momentum going since I'll be in attendance for my first Vegas game. Just win, baby. Raiders. That's from Raider Braun in the South Bay. And first of all, what game is it going to be? Is it this week against the Eagles? Is it a few weeks from now? When are you going to make your first Vegas game? Let me know. How at your boy, man. We're going to be at the uh, the Rockstar on Saturday. Uh, we do that every, well, every Saturday before home games. Uh, we do that. It's a nice little spot to hang out for Raider Nation. And so uh, Vinny Bonsignor and myself and others from the radio station, we go and hang out there. And a lot of Raider Nation show up. So I don't know when you're going to make it, but uh, you should definitely check that spot out. Uh, I think Font is an okay signing. It's just depth. It's not a guy that you're expecting to be out there on the field a lot, but uh, the cupboard is getting a little bit bare since they have so many injuries. I think that Faison will get uh, the first action well before Trufant does, but at least it's a, it's a guy that you know has been there, done that, kind of knows what he's doing. DJ Hayden, I think the ship has sailed on him. There's a reason why they signed Trufant and not him, so he's good to go. And I like the Fluger signing as well. You know, it, it provides depth, and maybe if uh, Leatherwood doesn't hold up or maybe if Parker doesn't hold up, he can be versatile and play multiple different positions. Right now, uh, I think that he's a guard, so I'm thinking that Richie Incognito's not coming back, but you never know. A versatile guy like that may be able to play multiple positions and really help the Raiders out down the stretch. So uh, thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you. And that's all I got for you for today's show. Loaded, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, very excited about getting closer to the end of the week, getting very excited about seeing this Week 7 action at Allegiant Stadium. So Raider Nation, till tomorrow, till we have the crossover edition. Uh, Have a great day. Uh, Stay safe. Take care of your family. Love on your family. And most importantly, as always, just win, baby.